guys are doing all right? I'm doing fantastic. Got to spend a week away with uh, me and Pastor Joseph. Both got to go to the beach this week and hang out with our families and take a couple days off. And uh, it was awesome. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach. Uh, this was my first real experience being at the beach with, a, with my child. And, and, uh, and, and no help. Last year we went, but she was a little, a little doe of cuteness. And, uh, and, and Courtney's family was there, and so I still got to go have all kinds of fun. And uh, dude, this is the first time when, when I was there alone. It was different, but it was amazing. It was super relaxing. And I just want to thank you guys for giving us the, the, uh, a week to just go get refreshed and, and to hang out and enjoy. It was awesome. So it, it was good. And, um, and, and while I was there, I spent a lot of mornings um, because Courtney likes to spend her early mornings in sleepness. And, um, and so I... I wake up pretty early, and one of the things I love the most about going to the to the beach, and, and I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual, or I'm a pastor, I'm, I truly, truly uh, cherish and love that when I go to the beach to be able to get as close to the beach as I can early in the morning and just spend time with the Lord, and I was able to do that this week and, and pray and spend time with the Lord and, uh, and, and, and study and, you know, for the message and different things, and um, and, and it was just, it was an awesome time with the Lord. And as I, I was thinking a lot about the message last week, and if you weren't here, um, we, we started a, a new series called The Holy Spirit. Uh, and and it, it, it's a, and I, I said, the first statement I said is, is it last week is, is, if you don't know me well, I get excited about stuff. I get super excited about everything. Uh, I just do. I've always been that way. Uh, I get so excited. And, and sometimes I, because of my excitement levels is, is abnormal, I tend to what people say oversell things. And, and I'll say, man, this is going to be the greatest thing known to man. And they're like, it's just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I'm like, it's so good. And, and, I, and I do a lot with series. I'll say, man, this is going to be a life-altering series. And, 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 I, and I'm not trying to degrade people when I say this, but I truly believe in the power of the Word of God. So I genuinely believe every time we start a series that it's going to be a life-altering series. I never go into a series going, nah, this is going to be mediocre. And... Maybe some stuff will happen, but probably not. I go literally into every series like, dude, this is going to be amazing. That's just, I believe that. Um, but I believe it with this series more than I probably have ever any other series. And I don't know that I could ever in, in, in any of my excitement over-exaggerate the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the power of this series and the importance of this series. And so and we started it last week and we said that through the course of this series, there's going to be, uh, hopefully there's going to be four things that are going to happen in everybody's life. For some people, they're going to learn things about the Holy Spirit that they've never learned before. They're going to hear things they've never heard, think about things that they've never thought about, and they're going to have to learn things that they, they've never learned before that they don't know. For some of us, we're going to have to unlearn some things that we learned. We learned some wrong things or we made some assumptions. And you know what they say about assumptions? I don't know. Do you know? I don't, I don't know. We make some assumptions and we begin to believe and we're going to have to unlearn some things that, we, that we've learned. And for some of us, we're going to have to relearn some things that we learned, but we've forgotten. And ultimately, my heart and my prayer is that this house, this church, and every single person here will understand the magnificent importance of receiving, fully receiving the Holy Spirit and the power that comes along with him. Um, and that's through the course of the series. So we started off last week, and we just said this, and I want to touch on this really fast. And if you, have, if you did not listen to this message, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it online because uh, I brought up uh, some, some, just some questions. I wanted last week, I wanted to start off the series with just this one idea, that the Holy Spirit, now it may not be incredibly important to you, 
And it may not be incredibly important to me, and it may not be incredibly important to certain denominations, and it may not be incredibly important to, to the modern church. But receiving the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in general was incredibly important to Jesus. Incredibly important to Jesus. So much so that when, when, when John the Baptist came and he was preparing the way for Jesus Christ, preparing the way for the Messiah, and Jesus said that John the Baptist, that no, nobody has ever seen anybody like John the Baptist, that he was the greatest prophet that ever walked the face of the earth. Jesus said that about John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist came preparing the way for Jesus, he said that Jesus was going to do two things. He said that Jesus was going to take away the sins of the world, and that's what gets 99% of the focus, which is good. That's not bad. It's a good thing. Take away the sins of the world. Kind of a, kind of a big deal. That Jesus is going to come take away the sins of the world, but there's this other thing that he says that Jesus is going to do that we don't really talk about as much, that we just kind of brush over, that we just kind of walk over. He said that he's going to come take away the sins of the world, and then in all four Gospels, it recorded that when John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, that he said over and over again that I baptize with water, but there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's significant. It's significant. It says that he's going to come take away the sins of the world and baptize in the Holy Spirit. But 99% of the focus is on taking away the sins of the world and not the baptizing of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I know that it may not be important to us, and it may not be important to the modern church. It may not be important to some denominations. You're going to hear me say that a lot. But that it was so important to Jesus that Jesus said that it is to your advantage. It is, it is more profitable to you, to the believer, to the disciples, to the church, that I, Jesus, the Son of God, leave and ascend to the heaven and sit to the right hand of the Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit, so that I can send the gift, so that I can send the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, to you. It'll be more advantageous. And apparently I said advantageous a lot last week because I had four people say that I used the word advantageous a lot last week. And I was like, is that really all you heard? All right, so advantageous is important. So if that's all you heard last week, I want you to remember why you heard it. Because Jesus said it's more important. It's more advantageous. It's more profitable. It's to your advantage that I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. And the respect that Jesus had for the Holy Spirit, when he was talking about blaspheming, he said to the Pharisees, he said that if you blaspheme me, if you blaspheme Jesus, if you blaspheme the Son, you will be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven, not in this age and not in the age to come. That's significant. So you need to understand that, that Jesus believed that, that, that baptizing, the, that the people receiving the Holy Spirit or being immersed in the Holy Spirit, which is what baptism means, being baptized by the Holy Spirit was significant. That was part of the reason he came to take away the sins of the world and to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's to your advantage that I leave. And I have so much respect for God, the Holy Spirit, that I'm telling you right now, if you blaspheme me, you will be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you won't be. That's significant. And it was so important to Jesus that one of the last things that he said to the disciples was, I, I, I know that you, you've seen me, you've walked with me, you live with me, you believe in me, you've witnessed me alive, you witnessed me die, you witnessed me come back from the dead to be resurrected, you've witnessed these things so clear if you witness them, you believe them because you're here and you see it. And he said, and, 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 and this is significant because if, if we believe that faith in Jesus, now this is the part where I, I, I treaded very lightly last week and I hope that you, most of you came back, so that's cool, but I treaded very lightly. 
if, if Jesus believed that faith in Jesus and believing in Jesus was all you needed to live a life of power, he would have stopped right there and said, you've witnessed all these things, you believe all these things. But he said, even though you've witnessed all these things, even though you believed all these things, even though your faith is in me, I need you to go to Jerusalem and I need you to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. That's significant. And so this was the end point, and I want you to hear me, and I want to reiterate it in case you thought I was, I was uh, 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 what's the word? Hypo- not hypocrisy. Being, the, I don't know, false doctrine, teaching false, taking away from Jesus, that I wasn't doing that last week. That this was the idea of position and performance, position and performance, that our faith in Jesus, the only way to the Father is through Jesus, all right? I, Jordan believes this. Please tell me you understand that I believe this, all right? I, I, Given my whole life to that idea. I believe this. The only way to the Father is through the Son, putting your faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Romans says that if you you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. Right? That's the gospel. It's not your performance ahead of time. You can't earn your way into a right position with God. It's faith in Jesus alone. We get this. This is the gospel. But, despite what you may believe, and despite what... Modern theology may teach in some ways. Jesus believed that although your faith and your belief in him was the only way to be positioned before the Father, to be in relationship with the Father, he believed on some level that this in itself was not enough to live the life that he called you to live after salvation. You understand? It was faith in Jesus that positioned you. It's the receiving of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to perform the life that God's called you to live after salvation. There's power in that. Literal, extreme power in that. And the, and the danger, the danger of you not believing what Jesus taught is that you will find, and this is where many people find themselves, truly believing in Jesus, truly having faith in Jesus, but not a lot of life change. Your position in God is fine, but your performance does not resemble someone who has truly, truly been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. This is how you get situations when, when, when we look into our lives And then we read the Bible and we see distinctly different things. Does that make sense? So last week, I wanted wanted to, the the whole point of last week to start the series off was for you to understand that even if you don't believe so, and even if the denomination that you come from doesn't believe so, that Jesus believed undoubtedly that it was incredibly, extremely important and advantageous for you to receive the Holy Spirit after you have put your faith in him. And so I'm going to pick this up because I'm going to go very slow through the first th- three weeks of this series because we're treading on, on, on ground where there's a lot of division in the house of God. Uh, there's entire denominations that have been separated because of some of the things we're going to talk about. And my commitment to you last week was that I was just going to read the Bible and teach it, and that was it. Pretty much my commitment that I made to God throughout the course of my life. And I wasn't going to start things with, I think, like so many people tend to do when it comes to these things. Because you talk about it, and they're like, well, I think, doesn't care. 
I don't care. What, and when people start with that, what comes after that? I kind of quit listening. Because when what you think comes in confrontation with what the Bible says, you're wrong. Right? You're wrong. So my commitment was I was just going to read the Bible and tell you what it says if you would stop thinking. Remember? Did you block that out because it was offensive? You stop thinking for a minute and just read what the Bible says and, and pretend that it's true. That's crazy game. Crazy. But we're going to play that through the course of this series. So I want to pick this up, and today I just want to move not too far ahead. I just want to move just a little bit ahead, and I want to pick up right where we left off last week where Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 1-5. This is one of the last conversations that Jesus had uh, with the disciples, and I, and I just want to go through this because I'm going to present a question to you um, that is extremely important. This is what Jesus says. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. This is where we ended last week. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. This is Acts 1-5 which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is Jesus confirming what John the Baptist said as he was preparing the way for Jesus. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God's coming to take away the sins of the world, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he took away the sins of the world, and now Jesus is confirming, and I'm about to do the other thing that John said that I was going to do. You hear me? He took away the sins of the world. He's, he, this is the resurrected Jesus talking in Acts. He's about to fully ascend to the Father once and for all. And he says, and in a few days, I'm about to do what John said that I was going to do. I'm about to pour out the Holy Spirit. And then it happens. The disciples and everybody that was there when Jesus said this, they all went to the upper room in Jerusalem and they stayed there. And they were waiting. And then something significant happened. It said that like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit went into the place. And there were, there were uh, uh, tongues of fire, if you can imagine that. It's terrifying, I think. Came in and does this visible, tangible, crazy experiential power. And then, here we go, they began to speak in tongues. Do <gasps> you know what bothers me about most people? They, they speak in tongues. When your entire belief system is based off somebody being raised from the dead and speaking in tongues, freaks you out. Your entire faith system is on the belief that a man was raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father in some cosmos that we can't even imagine. But speaking in tongues, you know, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about speaking in tongues. But it said that the clothing of tongues, and they begin to speak in tongues. Specifically, they begin to speak in other languages. What was unique about this day that if you read the Bible, so you've got to quit, got to quit listening to other people and sometimes just read the Bible. I'm telling you, your life will be different. I don't know how many different ways I can say it. Just read the Bible. Your life will change. It's crazy. If you read the Bible, you'll see that when they came out after being filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that happens, and everybody says this, everybody talks about this, and i got a problem. And I, I, I made a promise last week, I'm going to re-promise it. If you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Catholic, all the other ones, I'm probably going to offend you in some way through the course of this series because I think everybody's wrong on some levels because I think one of the base belief systems that I have, I call it platforms, if you take anything other than the love of Jesus Christ, anything than the message of Jesus Christ, anything else, whether that's speaking in tongue or that's baptism by water or that's baby, baby baptisms, not what we did this morning, or whatever theological thing that you have, and you raise it up so high that you can't see Jesus over it, you're wrong. 
I don't care what it is. I don't care, I don't care if you grew up in a Pentecostal church your whole life and they told you speaking in tongues was the end-all, be-all. I don't care if that's what you believe. If you've risen that reality up so high that you can't see Jesus Christ, you are wrong. All right? Because last week, I think all, all, the, all the Pentecostals were happy because I was offending all the Baptist people. We, 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 we turn, people saying, amen, amen, brother, amen, brother. Now, this is your week. You're not going to say amen a lot this week. We focus so much on that they came in and they spoke in tongues. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues later in this series. We're going to get all in it. And I'm Because 99% of you don't know what in the world you're talking about when it comes to speaking in tongues. You have no clue what you're talking about. You don't understand it. You don't get it. You've not taken five seconds to read about it in the Bible. We're going to get there because we've got to talk about it because I'm, I'm tired of the division. But them speaking in tongues was not the point of what was happening. It said that the Holy Spirit, what you need to know about the day of Pentecost is that everybody from all sorts of different nations were there in Jerusalem that day. That's the powerful timing of God Almighty. They were coming for the feast. And it said they named everybody, the Greeks, the Ephesians, the, 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 the Medes, some Persians, some Asians. Everybody was standing here. And when they, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they ran out in the streets, they were speaking in other tongues, but they were actual languages. If this wasn't the prayer language of speaking in tongues, you got to read the Bible. Right? For all the people that grew up Pentecostal, and in your mind, and you're like, and they were speaking in tongues in this heavenly language. This wasn't a heavenly language in this moment. We'll get to that later. In this moment, if you go through and you read the Bible, they were speaking in literal other languages. Because it said that because all the Asians, the Medes, the Greeks, the Persians, all of these, the Syrians, all these different people who were here, and they were listening, and they began to hear the disciples, the Jews, speaking in their own language, and they were like, what? Now, can you think of a better timing of God? Everybody's like, wonder why, wonder why Jesus didn't just give him the Holy Spirit right then. Everybody thinks they know more than God. It would have been easier, I think. Jesus chose to wait for the precise of the day. A vast majority of the known world was represented there at the day of Pentecost. They heard through in the Holy Spirit filled, and they were, it literally says they were extolling and magnifying the wonders of God. And all these different languages, and everybody heard it. They heard it, and then they ran back to their town, into their country, saying, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what happened. Everybody's like, man, how did, how did the gospel spread so fast? That's how. Because there were hundreds and thousands of people who witnessed the craziest, most miraculous thing on the planet, were convicted by God, and ran back to their nations and started telling them, hey, this is what I heard in my own language, the greatness of God, and they began to extol and magnify God, and churches were being planted long before the disciples started. Nobody ever thought about that. Well, some people did. You didn't. Did you? After you ain't even read that. I didn't show up in my devotional. I, I don't know. You gotta read the power of God. The power the, the Bible is filled with wisdom and filled with knowledge. That's how the whole world knew about Jesus in like eight seconds. Because when they left there, they left there with some crazy knowledge and wisdom and, and the extolation and the magnification of God. That was what happened when the Holy Spirit fell. Not the speaking in tongues. It was what they were saying in the other languages that radically changed the history of this world as we know it. And they left. 
I really wasn't going to say any of that. That was all a bonus. And Peter, on this platform right here, all this is happening, and, and some people are like, dude, what's happening? They're confused. Some of them are like, man, they've been drinking already. That's literally what they said. They're like, God, it's nine in the morning. What the heck is going on? They're already drunk. All these Jews are already. And Peter stands up and goes, this is, can you imagine? What if the first message that I ever preached, I come out and was like, guys, I'm not drunk. Think about that. First message I ever preached. I'm acting drunk, but I'm not drunk. I promise. That's the, one of the first things, Peter, the first message ever preached. He's like, dude, guys, nobody's drunk here. Let me explain this. And then he goes through and he begins to explain this. And this is what he said. He goes through, he talks about Jesus and the gospel and everything. And then he gets to this, to this one place right here in Acts 2.32. And I'm going to start here. Acts 2.32. He says, and he, he goes through the story of the gospel and what happened. And he talks about Jesus. And he gets to this point. And he says this. God has raised this Jesus to life, the one you killed, is basically what he's saying. The one you crucified. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted, talking about Jesus, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So I want you to hear the significance of this. His message is, and, and this is because I'm, what I'm going to get to is why I believe some of you know Jesus but are not filled with the Holy Spirit and why that's a reality in your life. That's today. Now you know. You can just leave if you want to. He starts off and he said, from day one, from the first message preached, he lays the groundwork for this reality. And he says, Jesus whom you killed, he was raised to life and he was exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus received the Holy Spirit first, which is significant. He received the Holy Spirit first. Now he's pouring it out. He's poured it out. And that's what you see and that's what you hear. You following me? Okay, I don't, I don't care what your pastor said, just like you don't need to care what I say over what the Bible says. That's, in, that's where I'm at through this whole series. What does the Bible say? That's what the Bible says. He goes on to say this, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord our God will call. So he said, this is what I, I want you to understand this. You need to, you, you believe the gospel, you need to repent, be baptized, water, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And after that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and everybody that's going to come after us. That's you and me. Okay? He lays that groundwork early on. So this is what we know. No matter where you come from, what your thought process is, what your belief system, this is the one thing I think we can all agree on, that the Bible says that you repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and then receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit after that. So here, here's what we get. That, that, we receive the Holy Spirit after salvation. I just want us to get there in that moment. Here's the problem, and, I, and I'm going to present it, because a lot of you are going, what's the big deal? Okay, I'm going to tell you the big deal. Thanks for asking. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people 
who believe. And what they say is they, they believe that, that being saved, getting saved, and being filled with the Spirit is the same exact thing. That they're, that they're not two different things. That they're synonymous with one another. That giving your, putting your faith in Christ and being filled with the Spirit is the same thing. And I always ask them, where do you get that from? They don't know. 90% of the time, they say, well, I think, and then I told you what I think about that already. Just quit listening. The problem is, is that, that if you do this, if you, if you say that, that faith in Jesus and being filled with the Spirit is the same thing, if you do this, you're going to cut out the power of the Holy Spirit in your life altogether. Because you're going to say, putting your faith in Jesus, is, and, and this is what, and I'm going to paint the picture for you. And maybe some of you grew up in a church like this. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Where getting saved was what the whole thing was about. Everybody's like, I don't, I don't know how, is, that, is he saying that's a bad, I don't get, is that bad? I don't, I don't understand. Every sermon, every sermon ever preached, every sermon ever preached was salvation message. Everybody's got to get saved. Everybody's got to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to quit living in sin. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. Every message. Get saved. 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 Right? You're still like, I don't get the bad thing. Here's the bad thing is, when it's all about that, what you've made, you've made salvation the end and not the beginning. Salvation is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the journey. And see, there's a lot of people, and I'm sure some of you have been here, it's when you're like, okay, I give my life to Christ, now what? They don't have an answer. Because there is no now what when you cut out the power of the Holy Spirit. There is just live your life, and when you die, you're going to heaven. That's what? That's why the vast majority of modern Christians, that's exactly how they live their life. Because that's what they've been taught to live. Get saved, wait till you die, and then you're going to go to heaven. Right? I mean, Right? I mean, I know, I know there's some of you going, I mean, he's con- that's what it was, but I don't, is that wrong? Is it right? I really like my church. Why are you here then? I always ask people that come complain. Oh, well, at my old church, we had this. Why, go back. Why'd you leave? Well, my pastor is saying this. Go, let him be your pastor. Right? When you do that, when you make salvation the end game and not the beginning, you miss everything. You miss everything. See, salvation was about the beginning of a journey with God. About coming to know the Father that created you and living the life that you were meant to live before sin took it from you. And to be able to know the Father and to be able to live the life, you need the Holy Spirit. It's significant. Other people, they say this right here. They say, okay, listen, I'll give you, I'll give you because the Bible says it, it's pretty clear. I'll give you that it's two different things. It just always happens at the same exact time. It always happens at the same exact time. It's, you get, you get, you, it's, it's two different things, but not really. You get, you get saved and you get filled with the Spirit at the same time. Boom. Done. Sometimes we see that, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes that doesn't. So let me ask you a question. If that, if that happens, and I, and I were to preach that to you and teach that to you, when you get saved, it's a different thing, but not really, because you get filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. No ifs, ands, buts about it. That's what happens. If I teach that to you as truth, and you live that, 
then when you see that your life doesn't really resemble a life filled with power, what do you do? Because then this, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm about to help you. I'm about to help a lot of you guys out that have walked through this your whole life. You begin, because when you're not, you haven't killed the deeds of the flesh, which can only be done through the power of the Spirit, which is what Romans 8 says. Sin still dominates your life. You don't have any of the gifts of the Spirit because you, you don't know where that's coming from. So, so you don't have a lot of clarity. You don't have a lot of wisdom. You don't have about a lot of knowledge of the Lord. You don't have any passion. You don't know how to worship. You don't know how to do any of the things that the Spirit does. And so when you look into your life and you think, I'm, I feel like I'm missing something, then you begin to question your own salvation. You ever been there? Yes, you have. Because when you begin to say, well, I'm supposed to be able to live in obedience, I'm supposed to live in righteousness, I'm supposed to live with power, I'm supposed to have witnesses, I'm supposed to do this. Everybody's like, they've been raising people from the dead, but I can't even quit looking at pornography. You there? All these churches are like, we're going to we're see people raised from the dead, and we're going to see all great and mighty, but their people are so consumed with sin, they can't even think straight. Why don't we do the sin thing first, and then we'll raise some people from the dead after? We get so, there, there are other denominations that get so consumed with the idea of miracles that the greatest miracle, in my opinion, that you will ever experience in your life is you truly killing the deeds of the flesh and walking in righteousness, humbleness, and obedience to the God that created you. That's incredibly powerful. And you may be blind in one eye, and it'd be cool to see out of two, but if you can live in the freedom of righteousness, I promise you from someone who was absolutely consumed by sin to have, have learned through the power of the Spirit to walk, it is an amazing, freeing, absolutely life-altering reality to live in the righteousness and the obedience of Jesus Christ. There is nothing like it. That's why when he said, listen, I would rather you go to heaven with one arm than to hell with two legs. Something like that. <laughs> pretty sure it was like an eye or something anyway do you see what I'm saying because if you believe that now you understand where Jesus was coming from when he said that he said you can, you can kill, literally kill the deeds of the flesh literally be free and walk in righteousness and power and you can find clarity and purpose and you know what I'm going to manifest some gifts in your life and you can do some crazy awesome things in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God and your life is going to be significant and you're going to mean something I'm going to give you the power to be the father that you're supposed to be the mother that you're supposed to be the husband you're supposed to be the wife you're supposed to be and it's going to be incredible you're not going to lack anything because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you not the spirit of human so I'll, I want to live in all of that, and then, if, and then if I get to raise somebody from the dead, cool. You, you hearing me? See, because while some of you, you don't, have that, you don't have that in your life. You can't quit sin. Sin dominates you. And so when someone tells you when you were saved, you're also filled with the Spirit, but there's no evidence of it, then you begin to question your own salvation. And that's a problem with me. It's a problem. Because I believe, as we're about to see, that people can put their faith in Jesus and not receive the Holy Spirit to the fullest. And if you don't teach that, and you don't get that, you're going to have a whole lot of people living absolutely powerless lives, but they go to church. That's called American Christianity, by the way. So I'm going to show you right here. It, it, it's clear in several ways. But it doesn't get any more clear than the two examples that I'm about to show you. So I want, I want you to read this, and I'm, I'm going to teach through this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove a point right here. Acts 8.14. Acts 8.14, God's holy Bible. Acts 8.14, not a book of theology written by a human, right? Not Bible.org. 
Not the guy down the street. All right? Not the people I grew up with. The Bible is what we're reading. Let's clarify that. When the apostles in Jerusalem, this is 814, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, really fast. When they heard, when the, the, the disciples were in Jerusalem and they heard somebody's been down in Samaria preaching and they have accepted the word of God. They have become believers. They have accepted the truth. They put their faith in Jesus. When they've accepted the word of God, the first thing they did, they sent some rock stars, Peter and John. They didn't send the B team. They sent the A team, right? As fast as they could. I wonder why they sent them. I don't know. Let's look. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, read, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What arrogance does it take for some doctorate in theology to alter something so explicitly clear in the Holy Scriptures? And then to teach it and disable an entire generation to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they are either afraid of it, don't fully understand it, or they've seen something that they don't like so they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Is this not clear? Is it? And here's the thing, and I always like to remind these arrogant fools. They are human beings. And I don't care how many years they've studied the Bible. When you disagree with the people who wrote the Bible, you're wrong. You following me? So here where I'm at. And I've tried to figure out a way to sugarcoat this, but I can't. So, sorry. Not sorry. Many of you were raised with the belief that when you got saved, you were filled with the Spirit, but you have seen zero evidence of that at all in your life. So you do one or two things. You question your own salvation and decide you were never saved. And then as Peter warns in, in the book of Peter, that you will live as if you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your sins. It can happen. Or you just think the rest of it doesn't, yeah, well, I mean, I just guess I'll never, I'm just going to, it's just not for me, like the whole, you know, walking in holiness and righteousness and having power and, and doing all this amazing stuff and having purpose in life and all this stuff, it's just, it's not for me. And so you begin to sit in mediocrity, and that's where pew-sitting Christianity develops, when you put your faith in Jesus, but you don't live out the power of the Holy Spirit. So now the only, listen to me, the only thing that you can do in this reality is simply go to church. What, what else can you do? That's why we have an entire generation, their entire experience of Christianity is simply going to church. And why the world and the culture has absolutely dominated this country. Because we have become a powerless church, a powerless generation. Because somewhere along the way, the majority of preachers started preaching, you put your faith in Jesus and then shut your mouth until you die and go to heaven. 
Where Jesus Christ said, put your faith in me and then don't you move until I fill you with the Holy Spirit. And then you leave that place and you walk in power and you walk in authority and you let the Lord God do great and mighty things in your life. Get your butt out of the pews and go change the world. And how could you choose sitting in a pew rather than changing the world? Blows my mind. Blows my mind. Who needs the second example, but I'll give it to you anyway. Now this is Paul. I'm going to reiterate. First, we, John the Baptist, the greatest prophet that ever lived, said Jesus is going to come baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, who's Jesus, doesn't really need an introduction. Said, I'm going to take away sins of the world and I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Go wait in Jerusalem and don't. Then the urgency of Peter and John and all the disciples at Jerusalem were like, somebody just believed. Go, go, hurry, get over there, pray for them, they can receive the Holy Spirit. Now you got Paul. Paul, who met the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus in such a way that he was blinded for three days and he stopped killing disciples and started making disciples and he stopped tearing down the church and he started planting churches. So this is Paul. And, and by the way, he also wrote over a third of the New Testament. No big deal. This is Paul. I think if there's anybody that knows theology, probably this guy, right? I mean, just my assumption. Now, I know I don't have a doctorate like all the smart people, but all I need to do is believe what the Bible says. That's my, that's my humble, ignorant opinion. And if, if, anybody, if anybody on the earth knows theology, I just feel like Paul. it's Paul. It's Paul, who said in a period of three years, he preached to Asia. You didn't preach to your neighbor. He preached to Asia, all of them. You ever looked at the population of Asia? Yeah, but I, you know, I, got, I got my golf game pretty good. I, got, I can knit. I got a bunch of really cool hobbies. I volunteer. He preached to Asia. Planted like a billion churches. Changed the world as we know it. It's this guy. Yeah, but I, I got, I went, man, I went to seminary for like eight years. Now I'm 250 grand in debt and I know the Bible. Right? You still don't know more than Paul, moron. This is Paul. So Paul shows up. Listen, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some what? Disciples. It's not up there, is it? Okay. Found some disciples. And asked them, I just thought everybody memorized the Bible, I didn't know. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I want you, you're going to miss it if you're, not, if you're not careful. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, why would a man, if he believed that salvation and the Holy Spirit is the same thing, why would he even ever, ever on any planet Earth ask this question? Why? The answer is he wouldn't. I want you to notice a pattern here. What, what's all the disciples doing? They're going around and, and they're preaching the gospel, but the moment they find people who believe in the gospel, what's the first thing they do or ask? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Here, you gotta know about Jesus. You gotta know about Jesus. Oh, you know about Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit? The disciples, Peter and John, they, they heard about him and they ran over and they got, Jesus, I wanna go back to this. Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit. Do not leave until you get the Holy Spirit. Peter and John, you, they, they just accepted the word of God. Let's run over there really fast. I need to pray for you so you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Paul, find the disciple. Hey, do you receive the Holy Spirit? Do you get the urgency? You get the urgency? Now, this is why I think a lot of you, if this is you, if you truly, you know in your heart you're a Christian, 
but maybe you're not, feel, you're not receiving, never been immersed in the Holy Spirit fully and completely like it describes in the Bible. And I'm going to give you why I think it is. Their answer, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I think there are many of you raised in entire denominations that have completely cut the Holy Spirit out of their doctrine. For many people, the, tr- the, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. Oh, is that, I'm sorry, that's not right, is it? Sorry. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's not the Bible. The Bible was amazing. It's of God, inspired of God. It's perfect. It's amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It, it cuts through the... Well, but... It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you cut the Holy Spirit out of the equation or combine himself, do you understand that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have different roles? You get that, right? And if you don't get it, we're going to learn it through the course of the series. They have different roles. And so if you combine the Holy Spirit's role and the Jesus role, you're going to miss out on the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I promise you, you need it. Significantly. So here's one. There's, there's three things. And I'm going to ask you this question based off what we just said, in your life, in your life, is the Holy Spirit a fact? A fact. That means a reality. That means it's actually there. Is it a fact? Think about it. Three seconds. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to ask you this same way, different question. Is the Holy Spirit a fact of doctrine? Is the Holy Spirit a fact of experience? Is it, is it a holy, is the Holy Spirit a fact of doctrine in your life? Or is the Holy Spirit a, a fact of experience in your life? And I, and I wanna, I'm going to parse the two really fast. If I were to say to you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And you respond to me, yes. And I would say to you, why? And you point back to Because when I was saved, I received the Holy Spirit. Why do you believe that? Because someone told me that that's what happens when you get saved. Then it's a fact of doctrine in your life. Because if you were to ask Peter, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said yes. And you said, Peter, how do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? He's not going to point back to Jesus told me I would be. He's going to point back to the day that he went through the experiential amazingness of the day of Pentecost. And when his life changed, when the guy who, who, who denied Jesus out of fear of his own life stood before the Sanhedrin saying, I've got to obey God over you, and eventually died for that belief, he's going to point back to the day everything changed in his life, and that was the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Right? Experience. Is that a fact of doctrine? Is that a experience? So I, I, I'm, I'm going to... I want to say three things really fast. Three things really fast. I'm going to show you this really fast. Three things. The reasons why I believe this. Now, number one is terminology in the Bible. John immersed in water, baptized in water. Jesus immersed or baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you realize that that happened. Remember the day that you were baptized in water? Is that pretty evident when you went all the way underwater and then you went back up? Unless you were sprinkled? which I would have to say is wrong while I'm offending entire denominational thought processes. Because the word baptism means immersion, full immersion, immersion, completely surrounded, immersed in a 
sometimes God didn't do it good enough to make it clear enough. I don't, you know. Right? The terminology is you recognize that this happened. And if you go through and you read, there, there's never a moment when people look back and we're like, well, I'm not sure if I was filled with the Holy Spirit or not. Because it's an immersion. It's, it's a fullness. It's life-altering. It's life-changing. You don't, you, don't, you don't think back and go, well, I think it may be heaven on Tuesday, but I'm not sure. The response is, dude, I was somebody else on Monday. And on Wednesday, I was, I was, I was, I don't even know. I was a coward who denied Christ. And now I'm standing before thousands preaching the name of Christ. Right? I scattered with the rest. But now I'm spending the rest of my life traveling and planting churches and preaching the name of Jesus. I ran away out of fear, but now I'm going to be hung upside down and die for my sin. I mean, die for the name of Christ. Because Christ died for my sin. It's, 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 it's going to happen and, you're, and it's going to be a thing. You're going to know it. You're not going to have to go, well, that's because someone told me that's what happened. Here's the thing, I want you to understand me. There is faith involved in believing in Jesus. Can we all agree on that? You don't have to have faith to know that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an immersion. It is life-altering. So that's number one. Number two is this. Power, boldness, confidence. Jesus said, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power. I want, you to understand, I want you to understand the word power. It means power. I looked it up in the Greek. It means power. It means that you're going to have the power, the ability, the energy. You're going to be able to do things like kill the deeds of the flesh. You're going to have the power to walk in righteousness, walk in obedience. You're going to have the power. You're going to have the gifts of the Spirit. You're going to have the knowledge of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit. You're going to have the fruits of the Spirit in your life. It's going to show up in power. You're going to see it. It's not going to be a question. Your fear is going to be replaced with courage. It's not going to be a question. Your pride is going to be replaced with humility. It's not going to be a question. Your addictions are going to fade off. Your slavery to sin is going to fade off to be a slave of Christ. It's not going to be a question. He endues you with power. He clothes you with power. It's not going to be a question. You're never going to have to refer back and go, well, some guy told me that that's what happened. You're going to say, dude, I'll never forget it because I was endued with power and my life changed and everything changed and clarity showed up and I began to just could not help myself, just needed to worship, needed to obey, needed to fu- needed to go. I just needed God and I wanted God and I loved God and I wanted to share God. I just couldn't help myself. And half of the American population can't even get their butts out of bed and go to church on Sunday. You, you, hear, you, you hearing the difference? Number three, the entire testimony of Acts. And I wanted to read this exactly as I wrote it because this is, this is one of the things that struck me this week. I went through and I read through every single word of Acts this week very slowly. And never once did you have to question when the Holy Spirit moved on someone. I, I wrote this and I, I, want, I want you to understand this. It's never a silent influence. But it's always, always an experienced power. It's never a silent subconscious thing that happened or maybe it happened and maybe it didn't happen. 
Everything, everything from the day of Pentecost. You even go back, let's go back to Jesus from the day that he was baptized by John. And it said, listen, do you ever, you ever heard the language there? It says that when he became baptized, when the Spirit first, when he first received the Holy Spirit, the day that he was baptized, the day that John baptized, it said that the heavens were rendered. The heavens were open. It was split open. It wasn't like a thing. Like an, and everybody's like in a small little dove came in. It said like a dove. It was like the power of God. The heavens were ripped open and the power of God came and rested on him and remained. It was a powerful experience. It's not a silent influence. It's not quiet. It's not something you have to question. You go from the day of Pentecost all the way up and down Acts. Every time the Holy Spirit came upon someone, that someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit, or filled with the Holy Spirit, or received the Holy Spirit, whatever language was used, every time that happened, it was an experiential power. Everybody around knew Holy Spirit just moved. It didn't just happen. Let's just play an awkward game real fast. Nobody talk. Nobody say a word. Shh. That awkward yet? Do you think if the Holy Spirit just filled someone, do you think we'd know it? Or do you think it'd be silent? Do you think we'd know it? Or do you think it'd be silent, right? Let's just do a silence thing again. Awkward. I hate silence. When you were filled with the Holy Spirit, was it like that? Oh, when you look back on it, you're like, no, man. Not silence. Not awkward. Amazing. Loud. Obnoxious. Crazy. I remember the day. I remember the day. I remember the day. Hmm. My life changed forever. My life changed forever. Never been the same. I've never been the same. There's two things I want to I want to tell you two immediate signs. Two immediate signs that, that happen when you receive the Holy Spirit truly in your life. Two immediate signs. Number one, and this is, and I'm 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 telling you this. Besides the, the three things that I just said to show you that it is not, it is not a fact of doctrine, it is a fact of experience, it is something that happens and you know it when it happens. Besides those three things that we just talked about, there are two immediate, there's a lot of things that happen, but there's two immediate things that will change in your life that I need you to hear this morning. Two immediate things. Number one is you will immediately, out of nowhere, develop a heart of genuine praise and worship for God. When the Holy Spirit of God fills your life, you will, you will have this un, just crazy desire to worship God. And I, again, I'm going to point back to the first thing. The reason why it bothers me that so many people focus on the idea of speaking in tongues and that miracle that took place on the day of Pentecost is because when you focus on that, you miss the reality of what happened. And the reality of what happened was people were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and the first thing they did was begin to extol and magnify God. And I want, I'm going to say something that's going to crush some of you and it's going to hurt some of you and I just, I got to say it anyway. The reason you don't know how to worship is because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. 
The reason you don't know how to truly worship and magnify God, the reason why you sip coffee, why other people worship when we've sent songs is because the Holy Spirit's not in your life. Because if the Holy Spirit was in your life, I promise you, every opportunity you get, you would extol and magnify the name of God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you. And this is the thing. And this is the thing. And I know it hurts. I know some of you just got so offended you may never come back. But I love you enough to hurt your little feelings and tell you something. When the Holy Spirit fills up your life to overflow when you're immersed in the power of God, He will make the greatness of God so undoubtedly known to you. You will have no other choice but to humble yourself before Him and extol and magnify His name in whatever way that takes place in your life. I'm telling you something. That's the number one sign. It's not speaking in tongues. It's the worship, the magnification, and the extolse of God Almighty. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, your whole world turns upside down because you realize who God truly is. And He begins, like Jesus said, to teach you all things. And you begin to learn how amazing God really is. And then I'm telling you, like Isaiah, dude, when you start to see that view of God, only thing you can do is worship Him. That's how I know. That's the number one thing for me. And it hurts me. I think last week, that's why I exploded a little bit. Somebody said, normally you come out and you pray so elegant and soft and it was nice. But last week you came out and you yelled at us. Do you know Why? Because there's people not worshiping. There's people just standing around listening to music. God is God. Your entire life, you have breath in your lungs because you were created first and foremost before all things to worship God. And when what, what the Holy Spirit brings is that innate desire to do that. It just can't, can't fake it, can't duplicate it, it just happens. So do you worship God truly, fully, completely? And the second thing, and this is the other thing that's going to sting, and it's going to, because you, 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 you've created your own little theology to justify all the sin in your life, and it's all wrong. Because the second thing, the moment you get filled with one of the things, is you have an innate desire to obey God. It, it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I mean, it flips doesn't mean you do it all the time great it just means that there is that you are just persuaded to obey him there's just a deep persuasion to obey him to walk in righteousness to walk in holiness and it truly bothers you when you when you fall before him not in a condemnation way not in a judgment way but you because you understand the beauty and the magnificence of God when you do sin against him it breaks you down do you have that in your life one of the things that Peter said and this has just been a huge thing for me years ago. This is Peter, and he's talking to the Sanhedrin. And this is the same Peter who, who walked away and denied Jesus because of his fear of man. And, and now he's standing before the Pharisees and before the courts. And he, says, and he says, right before he says this, he says, I have to obey God over you. That's a distinct difference in Peter's life. You go through all of Peter's life, through the three years with Jesus. How many times he pulled Jesus aside when he felt like Jesus was saying something that are going to make the people not like them? How many times? Over and over and over again. He had a massive issue with this. 
to the point that he denied Jesus. And now he's standing before them. And he says, listen, i got to obey God over you. So I'm going to preach this anyway. And then he says this. He says, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, this is important, and I really wish this was working. But this is important you understand. Every now and then, the Greek really, really matters. And this is one of them. Because there is a verb tense in the Greek called present future. See, in English, we have past, present, and future. There's a, a, a fourth one in the Greek called present future, meaning it's something that is ongoing. Does that make sense? Because if, if you read this scripture wrong, you'll say, whom God has given the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey, as in if you obey, then God will give you the Holy Spirit. Not right. Who it's saying is, he's saying, to those who are obeying. That, that future tense, it, it literally means persuaded to obey in authority. And the way you needed to read that truly is, I'm currently persuaded and I will continually be persuaded to obey in authority. He said, it, what he's saying is, he says, those who are continually persuaded to obey God are the ones that have been given the Holy Spirit. It's an obedience, it's an, the desire, the persuasion to obey God and to live in righteousness, to live in holiness, to live in obedience, to live in humility before God. The natural persuasion to do that comes when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are the two immediate signs. There's a whole bunch more. We'll talk about them. But those are the two biggest ones. So I want you to, I want you to think about everything that we talked about today. Everything that we talked about today. And, I, and based, off, based off those things that we've talked about, based off those three things that, that, that in your mind you've got to decide that, 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 that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just a matter of doctrine, but it's something that really happens in grace. That a part of grace a part of the gift, a part of the faith in Christ, a part of this thing is truly being filled with the Holy Spirit in an experiential way that you know it. Those three things that I mentioned, and then the, these two things, the innate worship, the just desire to worship, and then the persuasion just to obey Him. Even if it doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you but you just have this desire to obey Him. Based off on all that, I'm going to ask you, the same question that Paul asked. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And there's a couple different people sitting in the room right now. I'm going to talk to each of you really fast. The younger Christians, you didn't grow up in church. You may be loving this message because you're like, yeah, man, dude, I've been, I've, been, I've been wanting to get rid of that sin thing and I haven't been able to now. Power of the Holy Spirit. I get it. And you're excited. Congratulations. You just learned something. The people that I, I really want to talk to are the ones that have been in church a long time. You've been Christians a long time. You've been following Jesus a long time. But your life has never resembled the life that we see when it's filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And it has bothered you that I'm talking about it, let alone calling you out. But it's not to condemn you or to judge you. It's because I love you and I want to see you walk in the power that you have available to you in the Holy Spirit. And I apologize for preachers because of fear or ignorance or confusion or whatever have just totally cut out the Holy Spirit 
in their preaching. And so I don't want you to answer this question right now. Anybody, really. If you know in your heart and you're sitting here and you're like, dude, I, I know this and I, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is ask the Father. Jesus said, listen, you ask your human father for some bread, he's not going to give you a stone. How much more will your heavenly Father, if you ask him, give you the Holy Spirit? It's in Luke. So if you know right now in this moment you need it, all you got to do is to ask him, Father, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, he will begin to do that in your life. But to the rest of us, I want you to meditate on this and think about this this week. I want to challenge you to truly, don't just get mad and don't just give in. Don't just get mad at me and don't just give in to what I'm saying. Think about it. Truly meditate on it. Pray about it. Read, go back and read the scriptures. Go back and listen to the message. We'll, put it, we'll have it online. Go back and listen to the message this week and truly pray and decide in your heart and your mind, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Not as a fact of doctrine, but as a life-altering experience, a life-altering season in your life. And are you continually being filled with the Spirit, as we'll talk about next week? Is the Spirit in your life, day to day, living in that power? I want you to pray about it this week. I challenge you, challenge you to study for yourself. Humble yourself before God and don't, don't let frustration or anger or bitterness or offense or anything drive it. Just pretend that I love you because I do. And pretend that I truly want good for you because I do. And don't be condemned or feel judged or get mad. But search deep within your heart and come to a conclusion. Am I truly filled with the Holy Spirit? Not in a matter of doctrine, but in a matter of exponential experience.